You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am Jeff Ellis. If I sound off, it's been a rough few days. Um, cat that I've had for the just shy of 13 years we had to put down uh, just yesterday. Her name was Kit, and... Uh, so if my voice sounds off, <laughs> I just thought I would be very open at the front and explain the why of it. Um, not been the uh, the best 24 hours, obviously, as anyone who has pets knows what that is like. So deep breath and moving to what's next. Um, let's talk about Brandon Geyer's retirement. Uh, that was announced today, and I want to talk about because Brandon Geyer was a useful player for the Indians, and they traded a prospect who was an interesting player. Um, didn't turn into a whole bunch, but just... Let's go back, discuss the parts of this trade as, you know, we have another former Indian who is retiring. So let's just start off with Geyer. He is currently seventh all-time uh, in war for University of Virginia baseball players. It's been kind of crazy. Yeah, Ryan Zimmerman, who's got a 38.5. Chris Taylor, the shortstop, is a 10.5. Sean uh, Doolittle, the pitcher, is a 9.3. Javi Lopez, the reliever, is an 8. And then after that, you've got this whole big grouping. It's for a program that has been as... Um, dominant as they have been uh, during their time as a, a college baseball team. They've really not had a lot of success in getting guys into the majors. They've had a ton of guys get there, but su- sustained success has just not occurred with that program. And that's one of those things that always stood out when I would talk about Brandon Geyer, because here's a part-time player who is, you know, seventh all-time for this program. Two major pieces the Indians gave up, Nathan Lukes. Uh, he was... I always get him confused with Connor Maribel. Lukes was the higher one. He was the seventh round pick. Him and Maribel were in that same draft, similar type of guys. Lukes got up to Triple uh, A Durham last year. He's since he left Cleveland, he's been okay. Uh, even in Cleveland, he was closer to okay than great. Uh, more often than not, he was older in the level that he competed at. Um, you know, looks like a kind of a future career minor league type. The other player in that deal, um, Yo. Yo, Yohander Salinas, um, he was already at the time of the trade, uh, I guess he was only 20, so he's up to 23. He did get up to, to double A a year ago. He's interesting just in terms of you're looking at a guy who in 23 games, 30 innings in double A, strikeout rate almost 11, uh, walk rate over five though. But there's definitely some tools there as a reliever that Rays could still see some value back. And, you know, as for the Indians, how about the fact that, uh, before I get into what he did with the Indians, that Geyer was part of the original Chris Archer deal. So he came over after being a fifth-round pick. He was in Cleveland for three years, going to be the last stop for him. 270 games, 103 games, 38 games. And, let's see, first season, a 907 OPS, 654, 671. You go back, those first two you know three years in Tampa he just mashed lefties he didn't do that as much once he got to Cleveland and that kind of became the issue was he was never someone who really did well or could you didn't want him facing right-handed uh, pitching but he was supposed to you know basically do what Luplo did a year ago and with Luplo stepping into that role uh, Geyer uh, became superfluous and the Indians superfluous superfluous and the Indians moved on from that um, so let's dive into some other things. Uh, I had a question from Zahn, uh, Zenner 
And he, let's see, he votes for the Cleveland Blue Collars or a tribe called Cleveland. I can approve of both of those. Uh, he can probably figure out when I'm recording this as I just gave him a, a like on the chat in there on the Facebook. And he was talking about, you know, they didn't have much interest in the Sim games, but the Sim games that they have up there have the Indians in first. And what do those mean? Is he getting like maybe too excited? Is there value? And I think there is value, but I think it also shows that when we do these sims that a lot of times good pitching wins out and the indians pitching no matter how you want to view it the starting pitching is very good for the cleveland indians i think they still have a top 10 starting pitching rotation in all of baseball probably top seven and that's going to allow them to carry through now when you take that strong pitching rotation and then you add in you know uh, a lindor and a jose ramirez you're talking about they have two of the top 10 uh hitters in the american league with those two right now and they have two of the top 10 starters in all of baseball with Clevenger and Bieber. So that's the combination that allows them to succeed. I'm still kind of worried about that bullpen. We'll have to see what happens back there with the, the arms they have in place. And we'll have to see you know how the rest of this lineup is going to shake out. But uh, they have the minor league depth if they want to be buyers to do that at the deadline. We'll have to see what they're looking like in about a month and a half when the deadline approaches. But right now, uh, I think, you know, there are multiple places that have the Indians winning their division. The Twins are an amazing team. They are loaded. Uh, They are going to be hurt, though, because, you know, Pineda can't pitch for them this year because he was suspended for performance enhancers just like Class A. Uh, The delay did allow Rich Hill to get healthy, which helps. But the Twins' rotation is a a major concern. Like, that is not a strength for that team. you know, do you think Odorizzi had a breakout, or was it one of those kind of like peak seasons? We'll have to see. That's gonna that's gonna put a high determination on how that far that team can go. Um, and in general, the starting pitching depth was not there for the Twins, and this is a season where you're gonna need that depth. I think that's also the same concern with the White Sox, who don't have a ton of depth. Both those lineups are loaded. I mean, I would probably take either of them over the Indians, even with the Indians' uh, star pieces in place. We'll have to see. I think the Indians are definitely a playoff contender. Um, I am not sold on them. I'm, I'm not willing to like say they are going to be in the playoffs, but I think we definitely should consider them a team that is very much going to be in the hunt throughout this abbreviated season. Let's talk 55-man roster. Um, I think we got through kind of all the important things. Let's just go through and talk about who is in there and who uh, who is not in there. Um, I had someone, and I wish I, it was about a week ago when I first tweeted out that I thought it was interesting that, um, that Brian Ricoya wasn't on that, but apparently he is stuck in Venezuela, so that is why he's not on the thing. Travel can be an issue, especially during this time still, and the Indians do have five open spots. So let's go through. Uh, if we don't get through all the roster positions today, Friday we'll have more time to dig in on that, as long as any other information starts to come out. Um, as far as what's going to happen with the schedule talk um you know we already did the name talk uh, and i'll say friday to to see if we can get a little more information on on possible this idea of a, a nashville franchise coming into being but there's a lot of things we can talk about on friday so let's start diving into the 55 man let's talk about the two notes we have to talk about at the start Team's still waiting for Delano Shields to test negatively for COVID because of him testing positive. And then Fran Mill Reyes uh, was out 
uh, attending a Fourth of July event without wearing a mask and it worried the Indians enough, it was a big enough event, that they asked him to get tested before he comes to camp. So Fran Mill is currently not at camp, neither is uh, Delano Shields, which you just have to note, because, I mean, those are two guys who were thought to be guaranteed spots on the 26-man roster, which will start out as a 30-man roster. So catchers, the Indians have four. Uh, Roberto Perez, Sandy Leone, that's not a surprise at all that those are the guys there. Bo Taylor is a third. A small surprise. I just wasn't sure if it would be Taylor or Cameron Rupp. I thought maybe both. Uh, I thought they might go for a lot of catching depth. And then Bo Naylor. Um, I know MLB has him as their number three prospect. I don't see that seems a bit rich for me. I think he's probably closer to fifth, but he's a very good prospect. They want him back there getting reps. It makes sense. Infielders. We have Christian Arroyo. Yu Chang, Mike Freeman, Cesar Hernandez, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Carlos Santana, Aaron Braccio, Bobby Bradley, Ernie Clement, Tyler Freeman, Nolan Jones. It's just going through Arroyo on the 40-man, Chang on the 40-man. Hernandez, Lindor, Ramirez, Santana, those guys are starters. Bradley on the 40-man. So let's talk about the other names. Freeman, I don't think that's a surprise. I projected him to likely make the 26-man roster to begin with. He just currently wasn't on it. Uh, going through the rest, Aaron Brockio is interesting because he's missed a lot of time due to injury. Really good hit ability. Uh, could be one of those guys that is going to get some helium af- as he gets some opportunities and ch- uh, chances to play this year. But uh, one of the more interesting bats in the middle infielder in the lower levels. They have a lot of interesting middle infielders, but he's got one of the better bats in that group. Ernie Clement is a feature utility guy. I don't think there's any starter upside, but he is, in terms of utility talent he is the best utility talent closest to the majors uh let's see we got ty freeman nolan jones those are your top prospects jones could conceivably help the team this year freeman maybe but again that's a top prospect they want him up there getting reps so it makes sense for you know freeman and uh brachio are unlikely to see time with the team i would be shocked with brachio and a little surprised by freeman jones you know i think we could see him 11 outfielders, Greg Allen, Jake Bowers, Lonnie Shields, Daniel Johnson, Jordan Luplo, Oscar Mercado, Tyler Naquin, Fran Mil Reyes, Domingo Santana, Bradley Zimmer, George Valera. Everyone except for Valera is someone who could see time with the team very easily this year. Uh, Valera is a lower minors guy who, I mean, I ranked him, I'm trying to think of his second or third. He's a very exciting bat, one of the more interesting bats in the Cleveland system. Still waiting to kind of see uh, if you can put it all together. He's always been young for his level. He's had some good walk rates, some good power. I haven't seen the hit ability, which is supposed to be his best tool, but we'll see long-term if that comes together. Still waiting to see about Naquin. Can Zimmer get healthy? And what goes on with the rest of this group? There's just a lot of interesting games, a lot of guys who can play. Uh, We'll see who shakes out at the start of camp. I assume quite a few of these guys, the outfield could be one of those places that gets one or two extra bats just because we start with a 30-man roster. But yeah, Valera is really the only one in there where you look at him and go, okay, so that guy is unlikely to help. Starting pitching, this actually had the name that stood out the most to me uh, when I looked at this whole thing when I was uh, gone. You have Logan Allen, the one they got in a trade, not the new one. Shane Bieber, Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Saval, Mike Clevenger, Zach, Scott Moss, Zach Plesak, Adam Plutko, Jeffrey Rodriguez, Daniel Spino, Ethan Hankins, Sam Henkes, Tristan McKenzie, Juan Carlos Mejia, and Eli Morgan. So let's get down to this. Uh, McKenzie and Mejia have missed a lot of time. They need reps, and they're both already on your 40-man. Let's see other names. 
stood out, uh, you know, that aren't guys who are at Ethan Hankins, one of the top young pitchers in the system. I was kind of surprised that Lenny Torres wasn't up there. Maybe he wouldn't be healthy in time, but he had Tommy John about this time a year ago. So I thought he'd be back and ready to start throwing. And after losing all of last year, uh, I thought that they might want to see him. Maybe he could be someone down the line that they consider. But Espino, I believe, is the only pitcher who is a teenager in the entire pool of any team. Like He's the youngest pitcher who made someone's uh, 60-man roster. Henkes is another guy who's already under 40-man, but uh, just hasn't put it together yet. And the guy that I was most intrigued by here is, was Eli Morgan. Uh, and I've talked about him since before they drafted him. He's got a fastball that's good enough and a plus change, and he gets guys out, and he's, I don't know, like 5'10". I remember seeing him in Akron and thinking he was like someone who was helping out until I realized, oh, that's Eli Morgan. I got a better look. But, he, you know, not an imposing figure. He just gets it done. And he's moved up steadily through the system, and I think he could be a Brian Shaw type. Like, I think it's going to be hard for him to be a starter just because he's more of a two-pitch guy in terms of what we've seen him use effectively. Um, it's not like he has explosive stuff. The change is very good. But just putting him in that bullpen role allows him to use those two pitches almost exclusively and kind of excel there. And I do think with all of the pitching depth the Indians have and all the interesting young pitchers, you know, Cody Morris would probably be the, the next guy along with Torres or kind of the intriguing arms that we don't see here, as you know, not counting anyone they just drafted. But... Uh, putting Morgan here shows that they put a lot of value on him. This is a direct thing. You know, no one was included here who the Indians did not place a high valuation on. So Morgan's placement, I think, says a lot about where he is valued by the Indians. I mean, for a while I've said, like, let's just put him in the pen and move on, and they've refused to do that. And they might still refuse to do that. I mean, just looking at that, they, they clearly, clearly think very highly of Eli Morgan. So our bullpen arms. Uh, Adam Simber, Anthony Ghost, Brad Hand, Cam Hill, James Hoyt, James Karinchuk, Dominic Leone, uh, Phil Maton, Oliver Prez, Nick Wetgren, Hunter Wood, Kyle Nelson, and Nick Sandlin. Uh, every single buddy, every single buddy, every single person here could help the team at some point this year. Uh, we talked about Cam Hill a lot last year. Anthony Ghost got a lot of talk in spring. You know, the former outfielder turned left-handed pitcher who can hit the upper 90s. Leone has had some success in the past, but struggled last year. Hunter Wood and Phil Maton are like kind of the same guy. So let's talk about maybe the names you aren't as familiar with, and that's the last two at the end. Cal Nelson and Nick Sandlin. Nick Sandlin was a second-round pick two years ago, correct? Um, who missed most of last year. Uh, he went down with injury. It cost him a huge chunk of last season. Uh, the year they drafted him, they moved him all the way up to A before to the end of that year. They were setting him up in... You know, 2019 to make it to the big leagues. His injury sidetracked that. Uh, I think he will be up there at some point this year. Uh, he'll get the reps. He'll get those opportunities. They drafted him in that second round. He was a starter um, at. I'm blanking on the college right now. It's not SMU, but it's um, another program I have to look at. And I'm sure the fans of that college would be offended by that. It's like a yellow mascot. Uh, I want to say it's like an eagle. Let's look. So he was at the University of Southern Mississippi, which is why I was having confusion with SMU being Southern Mississippi University. You know, there there is some reason for name confusion, but I'm sure Southern Miss fans would tell you they are very different. Um, it's a good baseball program, very strong. He's a starter there, but the Indians drafted him knowing that he would move over and become a reliever, and he should get a chance this year, especially again because this is 
not a group that inspires a lot of faith in me at this point in time. And Sandlin has the stuff to be one of the better guys in that pen. Kyle Nelson is probably one of the best left-handed pitchers in general that have come up through the Indian system in a long, long time. Uh, really good. Worked across three levels a year ago. Not necessarily like in the tier of like Karen Jock when I talked about it a year ago. And I, I put him like a little bit below Sandlin personally, but he was probably like third best, you know, third or fourth most interesting reliever in the Indian system when we had a lot of guys breaking out. The reliever I was kind of surprised we didn't see here, and I was hoping we'd see was Robert Broom, who is another kind of side armor guy. Sandlin is a bit of a side arm approach as well. Uh, and we already have Simber, so I guess they thought three was too many. But uh, he had been really effective moving through the Indian system. They do have five open spots, so we'll have to see what happens. I do feel like relief arms could be a big part of this when it's all said and done. Um, if we're just going to look at some of the additions the Indians made since this announcement. And I realized as I was saying that, I'm like, that's right. They had signed three players. So this whole time I'm talking about five open spots, they have two open spots. And I'll be curious to see if they do fill those, if they're going to leave them open. Because the idea being, if you make a trade, I think you have to add everyone onto your 60-man at that point in time. Because you can only acquire players who are on someone's 60-person detail right now. Like, the Indians couldn't make a trade to add and trade away Lenny Torres, for instance, because he's not on the roster. So, let's start out with Jake Elmore, who's been a shortstop and left fielder in the majors. Uh, He has appeared for quite a few organizations uh we are talking arizona houston cincinnati tampa milwaukee and pittsburgh last year 217 games uh has never hit his weight um that's fair he probably has hit his weight but you know looking at a career uh ops of 569 he has struggled offensively in the majors and that is why he has been unable to stick what he has played is mostly shortstop a little bit of left a little bit of second a little bit of first a little bit of third he even caught a game, he even pitched some center field, uh, and a little bit of right. So he's played almost everywhere on the diamond at some point in time. He is uh, bats right-handed, five foot ten. <laughs> I love that he's listed as a pinch hitter for his position for a guy who can't hit. Uh, last year he's worth negative half a win in war, and for his career he's a negative three point three. And yeah, he's he's not a guy you want to see up on the Indians. The Indians have so many utility. Uh, infield types. Uh, Elmore is, he's fine depth, but uh, you don't want to see him up with the Indians at any point in time this year if you're a fan of the team. Steve Barron has appeared in just a handful of games over three years. He has 26 plate appearances in 13 games uh, in the majors. He has bounced around through the lower minors. He is already, let's see, 29 years of age, a former first round pick back in 2009 by the Seattle Mariners. He was a high school kid back then. He debuted at age 24, and it just, you know, he's a he's a depth catcher. It's a fifth catcher. You I think you might need to carry... No, they, he's a sixth catcher, right? They already had five. No, they had four. I think you have to carry five. Um, you know, they had their three guys plus the prospect. So they decided to go with Barron over someone like Cameron Rupp, who they had uh, brought into camp earlier. I thought maybe there's a little more defensive upside. I'm not sure the exact reason. But they needed catching depth. It made sense. This is the guy they liked. And they've been quite good when it comes to evaluating catching for the most part. I still don't get the the whole Leone situation, but whatever. Moving on. And then the most interesting addition by far of these three is David Hernandez. And the first thing I noticed was he's another Elk Grove High School kid. A lot of guys come out of that program. And the Indians have scouted that program heavily over the years. 
He was taken back in 2005 uh, out of Elk Grove. And David Hernandez has spent 11 years in the majors. He's pitched in 547 games, 648 innings, an ERA a little over four, strikeout rate of a little more than nine, and a walk rate a little under four. Now, what's gotten to him and what kind of hurt him recently is you go back to 2018 and he was an effective pitcher. He's a really good pitcher for the Reds that year through 57 games. I mean, really good. 64 innings, 57 games. Strikeout rate a little higher than nine. Walk rate a little higher than two. Whip under one. The year before that with the Diamondbacks, he was relatively effective. He was good with the Angels. So what happened here? What went wrong in 2009? His his strikeout rate just ballooned. Or not strikeout rate. That'd be a good thing. His walk rate kind of ballooned, and there were some issues with command. 4.22 isn't necessarily bad, but when you've been a guy who's closer to like 239, 225 the year before that, the 4.22 is kind of a big deal. Home run rates have always been a little bit high, and the other thing is his hit rate also went through the roof last year in 2019. So he is getting a little bit older. You know, you do worry about things with uh, a pitcher stuff starting to to come back to earth a little bit. Maybe the velocity isn't quite as strong as they get into their 30s. But there's also the chance here that the Indians could uh, figure out what went wrong, work with him to fix it, and you could see someone closer to the 2018 version, and the 2018 version would be a huge addition to the Indians' bullpen. That's why Hernandez is so interesting. He has been an up-and-down talent throughout his career. He's been consistently inconsistent, but at peak, he's been a very good reliever who has been used for a lot of innings. 2012, he was great with Arizona in 72 games. 2013, not so great, but appeared in 62. 2015, still with Arizona, solid season. 2016, Philadelphia, 70 games. It's quite strong that year. For the Angels in 38 games, he's really strong. Ends up with Arizona, and it's not as strong. Cincinnati, strong. So it's been this just up and down wave. And the upside is it's almost like an every other year thing. And since he was not good in 2019, he's due to be good in 2020. And if Hernandez can, like I said, come anywhere close to recapturing what he was in 2018, he could instantly become the eighth inning guy for the Indians. The stuff is that good. The performance has been there, and he's had the success. And as a guy who they're just bringing into camp to compete, I am... I love it. I, I think he is a fantastic addition, one of the better moves the Indians have made in the last uh, few months when they could make any maneuvers. So that's been it for the show today. Thank you for listening, downloading, rating, reviewing, telling a friend that it's all fantastic. I've been Jeff Ellis, and uh, might be silly, but I'm going to dedicate this one to my, my poor Kit Kat who passed away. Uh, thank you again for listening, and uh, as always, go Tribe.